turn with me in your Bibles <clears throat> to Luke chapter 19. Now, did anyone hear what I just said? I said Luke chapter 19. Do you know that in the spring of 2019, I did kind of a mini-series preaching through Luke 22 to 24? It was uh, Jesus in the crucifixion. It was Peter in the crucifixion, the disciples in the crucifixion, Judas. First time I ever preached a whole message on Judas was 2019. All I'm saying is this. I've already preached through Luke chapter 23 to 24. We're starting today, chapter 19. Woo! Some of you are like, Scott, my kid is two and a half, three years old. We've been in Luke his whole life. That's all right. Luke's a great book to be in, okay? We've enjoyed it, but we are on this last hall here. And so grab the notes in the chair in front of you. And, and I, I know we often say that, but I encourage you to grab that, get a pen. And this is what I want you to write down. I want you to circle, underline anything that maybe a, a verse or something uh, that I might say, whatever. But really, when we do that, this is my goal, is that you write down what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I know that when I hear a preacher preach or a teacher teach, there's more than one person speaking to me. There's that person that's speaking to me, but then there's also those things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to my heart. So just listen and jot some things down. encourage you to do that. Good stuff. Luke chapter 19. Are you there yet? If you're not... Ask your neighbor for help because you need it. This, the, in 1974, many, many, many moons ago, there is a guy, I'm thinking I'm, I think I'm pronouncing this right, but Harry Chapin, he wrote a book, Cats in the Cradle. And, excuse me, not a book, he wrote a song. And um, I'm not going to sing it to you because if I do, you'll probably be singing it the rest of the day. Um, but let me read through the first verse in the chorus. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away. And he was talking for I knew it, and as he grew, he'd say, I'm going to be like you, Dad. You know I'm going to be like you. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. And as that song unfolds, you see the story of a father who's what? Too busy to spend time with his growing son. And in the end, the son does grow up to be just like his father, right? And as the aging patriarch reaches out to his son for quality time, his boy is simply too busy with other things. Even as I listened to this the other day, I got this lump in my throat. I was like, oh. It's like, I don't want to be that dad, you know? I, 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 I want to have time for my kids. This isn't a Father's Day message, but listen. I introduced the message today with this 1974 gem to try to contrast how our Lord Jesus, it's a big word, I came up with it as I was preparing the message. This is mine. Our Lord Jesus is the antithesis, the antithesis of everything that we just read in that song. Not just in our text, but glaring in, in all of the Gospels, and even in the past few messages, we can see the Lord, listen to me, has time for you. Let me say that again. The Lord has time for you. Oh, someone get these kids out of here. Jesus doesn't want to be bothered with them. Jesus says, no, let the children come to me. I have time for them. Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, on his coming into Jericho. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
was someone calling me? I don't know. Jesus, son of David. Wait, wait, wait. Someone's calling me. Jesus, no, we, we're on our way to Jerusalem. Let's, we got things to do. Someone shut that crazy blind guy up. Someone tell him to be quiet. Stop shouting. Jesus will take care of him. No, I have time for him, blind Bartimaeus. In our text today, Jesus is walking in that same crowd that was with him in front of blind Bart. He's walking through Jericho, and we'll get there. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he's walking through Jericho. And of all the people pressing in around him, of all the people wanting his attention and shouting his name, he he doesn't even wait for this person to call on him. He walks up to a tree that this short, wee little man had climbed up. And he looks him in the eye and says, Zacchaeus, you come down. I need to go to your house today. I have time for you. Listen to me. If you get nothing more out of this message today, I want you to know God has time for you. He's not too busy for you. He has all the time in the world for you if you call on him. I encourage you with that today. As we look at our passage of Scripture in in Luke chapter 19, we read verse 1. Look at it. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Let me just stop right there. He wasn't planning on a ministry trip to Jericho. This was just something he was passing. Okay, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. Jericho. Now, you might remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but um, in the Old Testament, what do we know about Jericho? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and really wasn't much of a battle. It was more of a, a marching around, and the walls came tumbling down, right? So there's the old Jericho, and then some years later, we understand that Herod the Great had the city rebuilt about a, uh, um, in fact, look at my map. Uh, ooh, how, how pleasant. Um, here's my map. About uh, uh, less than a mile south is the new Jericho, and that's where Jesus is, is at at this point. Oh, thank you. Nathan, good work back there on the computer. He's got the arrow and everything. Did you see that? Good stuff. So Jericho, if you think about Jericho, in fact, in the New Testament, Jericho is mentioned as well. In fact, I, I, this week as I was studying, it was the first time I caught this. I don't know why it took me so long. But do you know um, when Jesus was trying to teach us how we ought to love our neighbor? And uh, where was the, the dude? In fact, I, I've got the quote here in Luke 10, um, the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to where? Jericho. And, and when he fell into the hands of robbers. So Jericho was a popular place to be, go, in fact, many people, uh, um, that, as I studied this week, would, would call it like the, the Palm Springs of, of Israel. I mean, it, it, was, it was like, you think about the most beautiful weather, beautiful place, and they would actually have palm trees there. Um, that is Jericho. This is a place where wealthy people went. In fact, um, three, there were three regional tax centers in, in the, the area of Israel, and you're like, Really? Thanks for sharing that. I could have, I'm going to sleep better tonight knowing that. Well, I say that because what was Zacchaeus? He was one of the tax collectors, but he wasn't just a tax collector. He was like an official. He was like the top of the chain. I mean, the very top of the whole pyramid scheme, if you will. And uh, so Jericho was one of these three regional tax centers. And here's uh, the, one of the chief tax gatherers named Zacchaeus. Now, he was wealthy, we know. The Bible says that, right? Why was he wealthy? Well, he had a job. So that was a plus, and he got paid well. But on top of that, so in that sense, he, he was, it, was, it, was, it was a good 
good sense that he works for his pay, okay. But there was also this illegitimate part of his job. And uh, I've explained tax collectors to you before, but let me just say it just real quick. Tax collectors, the Roman, uh, Romans would say, okay, here's the taxes. You need to collect this much. Give it to us. We'll pay you to do that. But if you want to charge more than this amount, whatever that amount, if you want to charge more, you can do that. That's fine. We don't care. So tax collectors would do that. They would, they would charge more than what they, they were uh, supposed to, and they would pocket that extra. So what's that mean? Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He, he was the bottom, I mean, you think about just like the, the thugs, he was despised, uh, he was despicable. In fact, um, he was a traitor of all traitors. Uh, he couldn't, most of the Jews at this time, of course, they'd go to synagogue every, every week, right? They'd go to synagogue and they'd go for worship. Not Zacchaeus, he couldn't go. They wouldn't want him there. In fact, a good Jew of this time wouldn't even want to be seen with him, wouldn't want to go to his house, wouldn't want to have any fellowship or friendship. No self-respecting Jew would even enter his house or have a meal with him. So he's isolated. In fact, I don't want to keep uh, lifting this up because it's just a, a production of man, but if you haven't seen The Chosen, you ought to watch it. It's a television series, uh, not on television, it's on the internet. It's an internet series then. Um, but if you haven't watched The Chosen, they do a, a real interesting job of, of showing Matthew and how Matthew, Matthew was a tax collector and what his life was like. Well, that was on steroids for Zacchaeus. Nobody wanted to be around him. Why is that important? Well, let's read on and I'll tell you. Verse three, look at verse three. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So Zacchaeus had two problems. There was a big crowd and he was short. In fact, as children, we sang it, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? We know there's a big crowd. Why? We already encountered it with blind Bart, blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road, probably sat on the side of the road every single day of his life, begging alms for the blind and the poor, alms. You know, he's help me, help me, help me. But that day, do you notice what it says? It records that blind Bartimaeus said, wait, wait, what's going on? What's going on? There was something different about that crowd and he knew it even though he couldn't see it. So there was a large crowd and this large crowd with Jesus in the middle of it is making their way through Jericho. And obviously the path was probably well laid out and knew the path that they would take because his stopping point wasn't really Jericho. It was to get to Jerusalem to give his life for the sins of the world, right? And so as he's walking through, Zacchaeus, ah, I got an idea, innovative. He ran ahead and climbed up into a tree, we know, because he wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see, so he ran ahead, and verse 4 says he climbs into a sycamore tree, also called a fig mulberry tree, big leaves, small fruit. Uh, one more thing I'm going to say about that, then we're going to verse 5. But listen, I, I don't know if I can make as much of the commentators as the commentators do of this, but they, they suggest that the tree that he climbed up, in, it had large leaves, and so it would be a tree that you could easily climb up in and even just kind of poke through and kind of see without being seen. So um, perhaps that's applicable and perhaps that's important as we continue on in verse five. Look, and when Jesus reached the spot where Zacchaeus was in that tree, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Mm. Couple things here. 
He says, Zacchaeus, that's really important. We don't know how he knew Zacchaeus' name. Now, Jesus was fully God, right? So the Holy Spirit could have hooked him up. We understand that. It could be that Zacchaeus was so renowned for being the bad guy that, you know, everybody knew who Zacchaeus was. You know, if you've got a, a, especially a bad testimony in small town, a bad history, uh, eventually everybody's going to know it, you know? That's just one of the challenges of living a small town life. Uh, there are many benefits, but there's also some challenges. And, and so perhaps Jesus, just having spent time in the area, knew of Zacchaeus, understood who he was. We don't exactly know, but I can tell you this. It's affirming when someone uses your name, isn't it? I mean, was it, I, someone called me this week, wanting to sell me something. It's my day off. I take Fridays off. Friday's my day of rest, my Sabbath. And I usually don't answer the phone, but it was on my cell phone. I thought, okay, I'm just going to see who it is because I was sure it was either someone asking my per- political persuasion or they wanted to sell me something. So I answered, hello, this is Marriott, and we want to offer you blah, 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 blah. Please hang on the line or press one. I thought, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to string this guy on. This is going to be great. And, um, and I did and ended up telling him it was too expensive. And the funny thing is he said, yeah, I agree with you. Have a good day. I said, oh, that was different. Hope your boss doesn't listen to this recorded call. But he kept calling me buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, boy. Well, buddy, boy, let me talk about you. Buddy, 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 buddy. I was like, I hate it when people call me buddy. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy, boy. Hey, buddy, buddy, buddy. I just want to just like kick him in the shin or something. You know, something really hard. You know, something to really get their attention. Hey, buddy. My name's not Buddy. I, I wanted to say, did you notice you called me Mr. Miller from the very beginning and then you changed to Buddy? Um, I, I, there's something about when someone uses your name. It's a, it's a more, it's a more uh, I, dare I say, don't get the wrong, but more of an intimate conversation. That, hey, I, I'm, I'm uh, hey, Drew, hi, I'm using your name, Andrew. I'm, I'm using y- y- your name. I'm using, you understand what I'm saying. And so when Jesus calls out Zacchaeus' name, calls him down from that tree, isn't that something that Jesus knew his name? And can I just remind you, I'm not going to dwell on this, but I want you to say, I want you to hear something. God knows your name. In fact, he doesn't just know your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. It's in the Bible. For some of us, it's easier than others. But he knows you. He knows your name. And if you're struggling with your faith right now, or if you've never given your life to Christ right now, I just want you to know, he knows who you are. He knows your address. He knows what you're walking through. He understands where you're at. And when Jesus calls Zacchaeus, he's, he's saying, I, Zacchaeus, I want to know you. I want to have friendship with you. He does this publicly. I'm going to your house. Have you ever had someone invite them, themselves over for dinner? <laughs> In our culture, that's a little awkward. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, there's about maybe 20% of you with a gift of hospitality and be like, man, I'd love to have people over every night. Woo-hoo. Then the rest, 80% of us normal people would say, someone clean the bathroom. Someone sweep it, the floor real quick. You know, it's not like our house is dirty, but at the same time, we just, we got to pick up, pick up all this stuff. Pick up the dog's toys and whatever. I mean, all this stuff. In fact, just put the dog outside, in the basement, anywhere. People are coming. In this culture, it was like, it, w- it was as if saying, uh, almost like uh, uh, just kind of a, a billboard. I want to be your friend. I'm coming over to your house. I, I, it was an honor that someone would want to come to your house and that you would feed. It was, it was, it was, it was a, a sign of affection in a sense. 
so what we need to understand here is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I don't want to just walk right past you, but I'm going to take time to get to know you. How many people do you think had gone to Zacchaeus' house for dinner at this point? I mean, everything we read about tax collectors and we understand is they didn't have a whole lot of friends outside of what? Tax collectors. How do you know that? Uh, what is it in um, Luke or Matthew chapter 5? Um, where, where Luke, Luke 5, it records Matthew's uh, calling to be a disciple, who was also a tax collector. And do you remember Matthew had a meal at his house, invited Jesus, and who else? It says his tax collector friends and some others. We don't know this for fact, but I believe that the others were probably Jesus and some of the other disciples that were already called. And most of the people that were there were tax collectors. That's my guess. It's because tax collectors had to swing together, had to stay together. They had to be friends together because no one else wanted to be friends with him. But here's Jesus in front of everybody. You ever hear someone say, you did that in front of God and everybody? Well, this was literal. I mean, he, God did it in front of everybody. It's like, I'm going to your house today. Zacchaeus, as of this moment, you're my friend, and I'm going to your house. And he, he doesn't say, do you mind if I were to come? There's only, I don't know, including me, 13 of us. <laughs> no, he says, I must. Notice that. Okay, you're, you're, you don't believe me. Look at it again, verse 5. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. There was this emphasis. There was this I have to come right now because I want to do something in your life. I want to stay at your house. I want to eat a meal. And, and, and I must stay with you. He said it openly. He said that, uh, that publicly. And Jesus knew that this was a serious breach of Jewish expectation. You wouldn't have done this. You wouldn't have, if you would have gone to the tax collector's house for dinner, you would have just kind of slid in. It, it wouldn't be something that you'd be, grabbing your phone and be like, oh good, this is gonna get me a lot of little hearts and likes and I'm gonna Instagram this. You and Zacchaeus, hashtag at Zacchaeus' house, having dinner, tax collector meal. No, 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 you wouldn't be doing one of those things. You'd be maybe even sneaking in after dark and you wouldn't tell a single soul, not so with Jesus, why? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves Zacchaeus. Jesus loved him in his sin. He knew, G he knew Zacchaeus was struggling. He knew Zacchaeus hadn't put his faith in him. He knew Zacchaeus had a hard heart. But because he loved him in front of everybody, he was fine with this. He called him out. And uh, so there was, the, the other Jews were stunned. And you can see it in their response. In fact, look with me for a second. Verse 6. So he came down at once, Zacchaeus. Notice there's two responses here. Watch it. There's Zacchaeus's and there's the crowds. Look at it, verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And I think they said it like that too. Zacchaeus was, how did Zacchaeus respond? Uh, you're coming to my house? Today? So he came down at once, climbed out of the tree, and he welcomed him. Oh, Jesus, you're welcome at my house. Come, bring it on. Compare that to the crowd. You don't see a lot of joy in their response. They're, all, they're not all texting and tweeting and, and 
uh, Instagramming and, hey, I was there. Isn't this great? Zacchaeus is going with Jesus. I think Zacchaeus is really getting saved. Woo, isn't this wonderful? Zacchaeus, of all the people, is putting his faith in the Messiah. Whoa, this is wonderful. No, you don't see any of that. What do you see? I've known him my whole life. The guy's a scumbag. Man, 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 man. How could that person ever be saved? Let me just challenge you for a second. Which, which category, which place are you in? Oh, I pray that I'm, I'm in that first category where I'm, I'm full of joy. I'm like, Zacchaeus, ooh, this is great. But I, if I were honest with you, I know sometimes, even as, as we pray for people to be saved, for instance, let me just throw this out to you. Some of you have walked through the tragedy, the hurt, the pain of divorce. And the moment you hear that your ex-wife, your ex-husband has gotten saved, attending another church, they're getting water baptized, what goes through your mind? Is it joy or is it feelings of, ah, you j- just wait, just wait a year. You'll see the true him. You'll see the true her. It'll come out. You'll see it. Or do you rejoice and say, thank you, Jesus, because that's exactly what I needed and that's exactly what they need. You see what I'm saying? Sometimes when big stars get saved, I'll be honest with you, I struggle being with the crowd in this category. I, I so want Kanye to be, be a Jesus follower. I mean, when Kanye West, a couple, a year ago or whenever, when it just came really blatant, like he's just confessing Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And to this day, I mean, I'm just like, I, you know, I listened once to the album. I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. I'm not a big Kanye fan or that genre, but man, it seems like something's really happened in his life. But like the crowd, I've kind of got this thought of, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. What about the Beepster? I'm not a big fan of Justin Bieber. I don't know if I could even name one song he sings. But all I know is a couple years ago when I saw a picture of him getting dunked in a, in a hotel um, uh, bathtub, getting baptized and confessing Jesus as his Lord and Savior, Man, I was, what's going on here? When I, when I heard him sing a song, in, you know, I saw just a little video clip of him singing a song, a worship song in the middle of one of his concerts. I was like, God, could this be real? Is this really happening? I mean, because, man, I'm just telling you, anyone who's in Hollywood, I pray for him, and I want to see him saved. But that is such an evil, vile place, just vile place. I just, I'm not sure how they could continue to be saved and continue and stay in, in that world. And I'm kind of with the crowd. Is that right? No, that's wrong. That's wrong. And, and, and we need to work through some of that. And we want to be a church. We want to be a people. They're like, come to Jesus. Oh, come to the altars. His arms are open wide. And you don't have to clean up before you get there. Just come to Jesus. And you submit to his word and to Bible teaching and doctrine and, and, and to his presence. And he'll, he'll clean it up. He'll clean up your life. Give him a chance. But do you see what I'm saying here? Let's, let's try not to be too critical of the crowd because for some of us, even myself at times, I see myself there. Let's look at verse 8. We're almost done here. Um, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, 
And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Let's stop for just a second, because there's several things in here that I think are, are interesting. Now, I can't say that I can necessarily prove this, but as I've studied this, I, I believe that verse 8, I mean, we, we got kind of the, the, the um, like the ver- version of this story from the clouds. There's so many details that, we, that are, they couldn't record just because it, it's, I mean, it'd be a whole book itself. Zac- the book of Zacchaeus. And there's not one, by the way. Um, but, uh, but I believe this was, this was at his house. I, I, I believe that um, as you read this story and as we sing the little thumb songs or see the flannel graph in Sunday school, uh, you even know what flannel graph is. But anyhow, um, Lord, uh, as, as Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, he stood up and said to the Lord, the, the idea, the feeling you get is, They've been hanging around for a while. They're at Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus had his people get this, these meals, this meal together, and they've been eating, and they've been fellowshipping, and as, as they've been talking. Now, this isn't in the Bible. I'm just saying, if I were there, I believe this is how it went down. They were sitting there eating, having fellowship together, and just out of that fellowship, I'm not even sure that Jesus necessarily would have taken time to teach. And Now, everyone, turn in your Bibles to the book of, well, we don't have Bibles. Um, everyone, let me tell you a story, and, uh, and he shared some parable, whatever, and he may have, I don't know, but what I, the sense I get is they went there for a meal just to have fellowship. And out of that rich fellowship with other believers, Zacchaeus was like, stop. I, I mean, I know we're almost done with this meal and this has been great. I can't go any longer. I'm a sinner. Whatever you guys got, I want to end more. What will it take? I, I, Lord, do you notice that? At that moment, he said, look, Lord, something happened at that moment. Because that, that, that title right there tells us that Zacchaeus went from just someone who wanted to see Jesus in the crowd to a follower of Jesus. He said, you're my Lord. I, I'm no longer uh, uh, under the lordship of the Roman Empire and the Roman you're now my king. You're now my Lord. Something happened in his heart. And I just want to ask you, and I want to challenge me, when you're sitting in the boardroom, when you're sitting in the break room, when you're sitting in the lunch room, when you're sitting eating lunch, breakfast with somebody else, when you're sitting with that group of ladies, that group of guys, whatever it looks like, and many of them don't know Jesus, is there enough of Jesus that oozes off of me and oozes off of you in a good way? that they're like, I don't know what you have, but you have peace. I don't know how you're so peaceful, but you have joy. Why are you so full of joy? Is there enough of you that someone would say, I want whatever you have? Is there enough of Jesus in you that people say, I want what you have? Because I think that's exactly what happened. As Zacchaeus is like, whatever you got, that's what I want. And so the longer Zacchaeus spent time with Jesus and his disciples, it looks as more and more conviction set in on him. <sighs> and th- this, is, this is what we got to get. Something broke in Zacchaeus in that meal. Something happened. He put his faith in Christ. He came to, to believe uh, that Jesus was really who he said and they said he was. And like many people in this room, many of you watching online right now, you've put your faith in Christ. You've repented of your sins. And that's the call that we have for every person. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You, me, all of us. 
and Jesus forgives him, and Jesus will forgive you, and Jesus changes him, and Jesus will change you just like he's changed me. Because Christianity is not do whatever you want, God will forgive you, keep doing whatever you want, and God will keep forgiving you. That's not Christianity. Let me tell you what Christianity is. Christianity is you do what you want, you meet Jesus, you realize the sinfulness of your life, and you realize the wickedness of my sin, and you realize your need for a Savior and a Lord to help you deal with that sin and eradicate that out of your, out of your life. And so then you put Jesus as Lord of your life. And you don't want to continue sinning because something happens deep inside of you and it's called a change. Jesus comes in and changes you. And if you're, you're like, I'm not sure I've ever had that experience before. I mean, I raised the hand, I checked the box, I, I, I've told someone that I'm a Christian, but then today's a great day to do that. If when you prayed a prayer to invite Christ to be your Lord and, and said, I'll, I'll submit to the Lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ, invited him to forgive your sins, if there was no change in your life, if there was no change, if there was like, man, I don't want to be like that old man. I don't want to be like I used to be. Then I, I just want to encourage you. Let's pray that prayer again, and let's pray in faith that this is what's going to happen. That's genuine Christianity. And so as you look at verse 8, You've got a man who is, a, who, is, who is going from being a professional thief to being a, a, a philanthropic person who gives a lot of money. Philanthropist. Yeah, there we go. But there, you know what I'm saying? Hey, he's, he goes from being someone who's stealing everybody's money to saying, change, Jesus is in my life now. And now this is, this is what do I, I, I I've got to do something about this. I can't stay in my sin. I can't stay in my yuck. I can't stay in that. I'm, Jesus is calling me out of that. And so what does the new look like? Well, that's when he says, well, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. Now, he, he could only give half because he had some plans with others. But remember, he was very, very, very rich. He had lots of money. But Jesus stepped in and changed him. He said, I'm going to give this to the poor. Remember back in verse 2, it made it clear. He was really rich. And in one day, he was totally transformed. And he went from being a thief to being a benefactor. He, he went from being selfish to being unselfish. He went from being a taker to being a giver. And can I just toss this out to you? Some of you have given up on somebody. Some of you have thrown into towel. In fact, you've said, Lord, would you just change them one inch at a time? Lord, bring them to Jesus. Lord, they know who you are. They know they should be following you. But Lord, help them to put their faith in. You know what I want to encourage you to pray today? God, I don't want a change over the course of a year. I'm praying for a Zacchaeus change. I'm praying for an overnight change. I'm praying for a miracle right here, right now. I'm believing you, God, to do something in this situation right here because we see evidence right here. Why do you think this is such a big deal? Zacchaeus, he got saved. What's the big deal, dude? Well, do you remember chapter 18, dude? Matt Holloway shared a message about the rich young ruler. Do you remember that message? And do you know that Jesus uh, um, said it's easier for what? For a camel to go through the, uh, the head of a needle, is that right? Than for what? A rich man to get saved. Do you know that later on in chapter 18 it says it's nearly, but with God all things are possible. In essence, 
if this is gonna happen, it's gonna take every bit of power for that rich young ruler to get saved, for someone who's rich to get saved, it's gonna take every bit of power that God has. In fact, uh, I think it's in, in verse 27 of chapter 18. Let me read it for you. Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. So in chapter 18, you see the rich young ruler who refused to make Jesus his Lord. And Jesus said, yeah, it's really hard for rich people to get saved. And then you go to chapter 19 and what happens? The impossible is made possible. What is it that's impossible in your world that you need God to make possible? Let's trust him. Let's pray. Let's believe together. And, and when this transformation happens, um, when true salvation comes, it often strikes that death blow at the core category of our sinfulness. I mean, for him, what was his core category of sinfulness? What was the area that Zacchaeus struggled with the most? Money, 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 money. And that was his thing, right? And so what happens? He's over here living in sin. He meets Jesus and gets saved. He's changed. I got to do something with this. So he gives half of all he has to the poor. And then beyond that, what does he do? There's a word in here I want to make sure you get. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Why four times? Was he just in around, I don't know, I, I want to make sure I cover everything. Is it Four times ought to be good enough. Well, he was a Jew. He understood the Old Testament. And let me just read some Old Testament to you. In Numbers chapter 5, verse 5, it says, The Lord said to Moses, look at this. The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When a man or woman wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord, that person is guilty and must co confess the sin he's committed. Okay, make full restitution for his wrongs. So give it back, take care of it, and add one-fifth to it and give it all to the person he has wronged. So just one-fifth. So um, uh, uh, when a man or woman is unfaithful, the person's guilty, they committed a sin, okay, well, I took this, well, I'm going to add just one-fifth to that on top of returning that, and that's what needed to happen. When I look at uh, Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, so this is a, especially a, an ox, a workhorse, this would be like, going to the farmers in the middle of harvest season right now, hopping in the John Deere and taking off. I mean, the big combine, the big, you know, this, I, someday I'd love to drive one of those. I don't know about you, someday. Um, and it, it'd be just like hopping in there and just taking off with the uh, multiple thousands, hundreds of thousands dollar vehicle. If a man steals an ox, it's a big deal, or a sheep. And then he slaughters it or sells it. He's got to pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. So the idea was, don't just return that, but you're going to return that with more. And, and uh, why do I say that? Zacchaeus knew that what he, he knew the Old Testament law, and he knew that what he had done was as if I was stolen someone's John Deere or International or whatever, whatever tractor you could come up with. That's the level of this sin. He said, I've done it, I've done it violently, I've done it destructively, and I will pay back the max. He knew the Old Testament law, and the evidence of his transformation is this. It wasn't, oh, is that what I'm supposed to do? How do I do that again? How little can I do and still get away with it? 
Um, how little can I obey and still be considered a Christian or a good follower of Christ? How close to the edge can I get? And, okay, I'll, I'll give them back some. Or the, oh, all of it? Okay, I'll give them all back and then maybe just give them a gift card to Walmart or something. No, 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 no. It's, look, just show me the maximum demonstration of obedience, and that is what I'm going to do, and that's what we see him doing right there. That's how changed his heart was after Jesus. Now look at verse 9, and let's seal this deal. Seal this up. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. Ooh, Jesus shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have said that. First of all, he said this son of Abraham. So if there were any Jews around that heard him say that, they would have been pretty hacked off. Oh, he's not one of us. Well, actually he is, but we don't claim him. He's not anything like us. And then what does Jesus say? Salvation has come to this. That's the second thing. He says salvation. And so the Jews would say, wait a minute. You're saying he's one of us. And yeah, you're right. He is one of us. We just don't like to claim him. So yeah, he's a Jew. And he said, today salvation has come. And all these Jews thought because of their lineage, because of their genealogy, what? They were already saved. And so this would have hacked off all the Jews even more. That you Are you saying that there are some Jews that might not be saved, Jesus? That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying this guy right here, Zacchaeus, was a Jew, but his genealogy, his, his uh, uh, bloodline did not save him. Salvation has come to his house today via this conversation, via him putting his faith in me. And, and um, this would have absolutely shocked anyone um, who was there, any guests, even, even the other tax collectors. And, and just to kind of go on with that, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. To the grumblers, to the detractors, to the self-righteous, to those who thought they were saved simply because they were descendants of Abraham, Jesus explained his mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm, I'm here for people like Zacchaeus. That's what Jesus is saying. And church, let me tell you, we are here. You are here for people like Zacchaeus. We are here to befriend them and show them friendship with a desire to see them come to know Jesus Christ. We've walked away from our sin, and our goal is to bring as many people out of their sin as possible through the power of Jesus. Jesus has come, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. There it is. Worship team, would you come? Now, I was curious, and I know you were as well. This was a big day for Zacchaeus, right? Was this really true? Did this really, or was this like a photo op for Zacchaeus? Was Zacchaeus, did he really get saved? Did something really happen? Or was he just trying to do something that would make him look good in front of others? Was he thinking, if I say I'm sorry and make a, a, a big plea, this could be really helpful. Then people will like me. I'll actually have some friends. Maybe I could run for political office. Make Jericho great again. What was his line on this? Was Zacchaeus really saved? I mean, it'd be comparable to, so you put out a Christian album, but are you really redeemed? It'd be comparable to, I see you got baptized in the hotel by the skinny jeans wearing pastors, cool pastors, and I know you hang out with them and I see it on the 
different sites. And I saw you sing a song in one of your concerts that we sing sometimes in our church. But have you really been set free? Have you really? And so as we look at Zacchaeus, the Bible's pretty much silent on where he went from there, right? But church history, church history, this is extra biblical, it's outside, this is like a history book, records this. Clement, who was the Bishop of Alexandria, and in one of his homilies, one of his sermons, this is what he says. He said, this man Zacchaeus actually went on to become a Bishop of Caesarea. So this is church history. This isn't Bible history. This is just church history. But church history records that Zacchaeus really did get saved. And he went on actually to go into ministry. And it may have even been appointed by Peter himself. And this would have meant that Zacchaeus would have had to quit his job, walk away from all the money, walk away from employment by the Roman government, have a complete um, alteration, a change in his standard of living learn the the scriptures even more, learn theology to preach and to teach and very much giving to those that are in greatest of need. That's what Christian history records is that this really was a life change. So Scott, how do we respond to the message about the wee little man, the wee little man was he? Where do we go from here? Well, let me just toss just a couple things out to you. Number one, let's be careful we don't time stamp I heard that terminology the other day. I didn't come up with that one. Time stamp. What do you mean? That means, do you remember, uh, I, I remember when that, that person was a teenager. I can never get past that. Because this is what they lived like. They were wild when they were a teenager. They're never going to get saved. That's the way they were. Or it could be soon. I remember a year ago when they did that. And no matter what happens, you're always looking back at what they did a year ago. That's what they did. You time stamp to the worst moment in their life and you, you define that person the rest of their life by that one moment. Come on, come on, man. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. Some of you have no idea what I just did, but look it up. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Let's be a church. Let's be a, believe, a group of believers, individuals that refuse to time stamp people and give God the opportunity to work on even the hardest of hearts and even those people that annoy us the most. Are you with me? Even those that, are, that maybe have, have been sinned, uh, sin, sinned against many people, hurt many people. Let's be a church that refuses to be the one who timestamps people. Let's give God a chance to change lives. The second thing I throw out to you is this, is God has time for you. God has time for you. Don't ever think he's too busy. Don't ever think that he's too busy, that he doesn't have time to speak to you, to move in your life, to move in your marriage, to move in your kids, to move in your health, to move in your job, to move in your finances. Don't ever think God doesn't have time for you because he walked through a crowd of people to get to that tree and he looked that guy Zacchaeus in the eyes and said, Zacchaeus, he declared his name. He said his name says, you come down, because I must go to your house today. God has time for you. He knows your name. He knows what you're walking through right now, and he has all the grace and all the power and all the anointing and all that you need to walk in this season of life. If you trust him, he knows you. He knows your name. Rest in that.